What's up, dirtbags? Welcome to episode 126 of the Midwest Angler Podcast. Scott Sturman, Matt Deitch. We're here. We're here. Started from the bottom, now we're here. That's right. I don't even know who sings that song, but I think it's like, you know. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Kind of feel like a gangsta sometimes when I'm bumping it. Oh yeah, me too. Yep. Got it cranked and everything like that. Yep. Yeah, well, uh... Episode 126. Episode 126, uh... Memorial Day is officially behind yes. us, and uh, you know I don't think we mentioned anything about Memorial Day uh, last week on the episode, but uh, um, yeah, I just want to give a shout out. Uh, you know, I know I, I think one of the things with Memorial Day that kind of gets misconstrued is the fact that Memorial Day is specifically I th- I think it was originally specifically made for people who passed away right during a war. You know, yep. service members that passed away during the war, and you know I mean. Pretty soon, I think people kind of, you know, think that it's Veterans Day. Exactly. And, and they it's not them, Veterans right. Day. I mean, don't get me wrong. Every day should be Veterans Day. So, so you know, I'll just put that out there right there. But, you know, then then it almost kind of turns into, uh, you know, memorial for anybody who's passed away. And, yeah. you, you know, and I guess I'll celebrate it however you damn well want. But, uh, you know, I don't know. First it and is. foremost, thank you to all the service members, especially... The ones that uh, have paid the gave it all, sacrifice. gave it all. It's really, you know, I'm sure everyone kind of read a bunch of posts, but uh, the one that you know kind of, I don't know. I should I should almost pull it up, but you know, talking about uh, you know the moms that never saw their kids again, and and right. uh, you know there was there was one picture like off the back of a boat where you know they're just dumping dead bodies yep. off, you know, and it's like. Hoofta, you know, like man, I think I got bad days. <laughs> oh, exactly. I mean, it is. I, it, we do forget what it's really about. I mean, it's no lie that the posts that people put up there, you know, when you're out there celebrating, you know, we get to go fishing this weekend, we get to do all this because those guys have, you know, sacrificed their lives for fighting for this country. So, yep. I mean, it is. It's. Uh, I think all of us probably probably have somebody that you know a relative way back when that did do that or know somebody that you know that did die in in the wars so it i mean it really makes you stop and and think about it and and it should a day like today should i mean that's why it's memorial day and a lot of these towns have these little services and yep. it, it's more than just i don't know it, it's cool going to those services i don't know if a lot of the people that listen have towns that do it but like our town rock rabbits has a memorial day service dune our, our town close to ours they have a really cool memorial day service and yep. i mean when you're getting when you're sitting out there that it really it really hits you when you're at one of those places you know like when they start playing taps it's just like oh wow you know that, right I mean, it's just yeah so kayla my wife her brother and sister uh are both in the army uh they were both in the reserves uh, and I actually had the privilege of going to Fort Jackson in George, South Carolina. Fort Jackson's in South Carolina. We actually went from there down to Fort Gordon. That's where Kayla's brother was. That's in Georgia. But anyways, Fort Jackson, South Carolina. I think it's like Columbia, South Carolina. And uh, we watched Jody, Jody graduate from basic training. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who was cutting onions up there in the bleachers, but like I, I'm a grown man, and I was just like, "Holy moly!" Like, I, I don't know, you know, just I don't know. They're they're signing up. They're it takes very putting their nuts on the person, table. I right. guess that's pretty wild. I so. mean, it just 
I mean, you never know when you're going to get the call and say, hey, we're going. And right. And you're going. So, right. Yeah. Thank you to all those people out there. Yep. Yep. So, uh, no, with that, uh, moving along, uh, we'll get into the fishing now. Uh, NWT up in Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin. And if you're wondering where Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin is, if you take your left hand and you put it up, that's the, uh, that's the state of uh, Wisconsin right there with the little uh, bump off of there we the go. side. And that, that little gap in between your thumb and your hand. Sturgeon Bay. That's Sturgeon Bay. Wow. That's it right there. Did you see that somewhere or did you come up with that? Well, I I saw uh, Charlie Barron's talk oh, about did. that. That was the All state right. of Minnesota one time. <laughs> he, he was he was talking about like where one of his sponsors was from in the state of in the state of Wisconsin, and, and so he pointed at uh, at about you know the middle of his hand or whatever. But uh, no, I went and looked up where Sturgeon Bay is. That's where Sturgeon Bay is, and that's where the uh, the NWT tournament was held. Uh, that's out on the Big Lake. It is, and. Uh, they found out why it's the big lake. Yep. Day two, uh, they had a blow day. And uh, there was no day three. That was it. Yep. There was no day two, really. Right. This, no, yeah. No, one day. Right. This day one. Day one. So I got to ask you, Matt. Uh, say you're an NWT angler and you've traveled from, I mean, there's people from Montana. There's people from Pennsylvania. There's people from, you know, all, all over. over. All over. You go. You... Uh, you get a hotel or a cabin or whatever for four or five, six, seven days. You pay for gas. You pay for food. You know, you're, you you do your pre-fishing, whatever. And you go out there for one day, one day, and boom, they call the second day. Yeah, How do you that, feel about that? It's kind of a kick in the shorts, to tell you the truth. I think it's I, a load of shit. Yeah, it, I mean, at a professional level, and you're only... I mean, you consider yourself a professional organization, and... You're only going to have a one-day tournament. I mean, there's got to be a way where you can have, you know, blow days built in, especially when they're doing it on a Thursday, Friday. Right. That if, you know, like something happens, you know, okay, we got this extra day, even the extra two days banked up because guys are going to stay and they're going to fish. I mean, it's a professional tour. Those guys are going to stay. Well, I just, I, it, it's absolutely mind-blowing to me. A, like you said, it's professional professional tour. I think two days isn't I'm, – I'm on the fence on whether or not two days is enough to begin with. I think – I really truly think that, you know, after two days, maybe there should be some sort of cut and, uh, you know, then a certain amount of people go out and fish day three. I don't know. At two days, I still feel like somebody who stumbled on to something and got lucky could still – Right. Could still end up winning this thing out of pure luck and, you know – I don't know. Four days, maybe. Okay. I get that. Maybe that's too much, but three days, like, I don't know. I think it takes a lot more of the luck out of it. Every day that passes, uh, you, know, much, that, that, yeah. you know, takes, takes a little bit more luck out of it. And I'll be honest. I just, uh, you know, I guess the reason that they weren't allowed to, to end up having a blow day and then rescheduling that day two for, for the third day was because they weren't allowed to get the permit from the tournament, uh, from the, local dnr or whatever because it was a holiday weekend well people are getting paid big bucks to do this stuff really big bucks to do this stuff you know mm -hmm. tournament organizers if you're the tournament organizer and i'm the tournament owner the tournament trail owner i'm firing you <laughs> like seriously like a then don't have it on a holiday weekend right b 
build that in. Say, hey, we want three days. It went right. We want three days. Like, I get bad luck happens. You know, if you have two or three blow days in a row, it's like, guys, we're trying. You know, I mean, people don't have yeah, the hotel rooms anymore. You know, that. whatever. Like, I mean, bad luck happens. Like, I mean, whatever. Storm of the Century comes in. I don't know. I just... Mm. Well, especially when it happens on the second day. It'd be different if, you know, the, they had the blow day on the first day and you go out there and they're just like, it's only a one-day tournament now. Right, now right. You're, now your mindset changes. Now you know what you got to do. I mean, okay. Swinging for the fences. But you go out there and you fish the first day and you're just like, you know what? I got a decent bag to help me contend for the next day and everything like that. You know, some guys, you know, sometimes it's better to go into the second day not leading the thing and you got, you know, a little momentum on your side. You got yourself in the hunt to win it. But then all of a sudden you get in there and it's just like the next day you get up and it's just like blow day tournament's over. And it's just kind of like, it's got to, you got to, it's almost got to feel like a punch to the freaking stomach. It's it just got to feel like an empty feeling. You know that is, it's just like, like you said, it's, it's different if it's a small tournament. Like if it's just, okay, this is a two day tournament. It's just put on by like this local club or organization or something like that. And you know, it's always just a two day tournament, but all of a sudden, but this is a professional organization that people I, have spent thousands right. of dollars. Right. Get into. And you're having one day tournaments. I mean, you know, there's times you look at like the bass tours and stuff like that. I mean, they always have those days built in and sometimes they might cut the field or something like that, but it's still, they're still trying to get those four they've, days in. They've made three. four day tournaments, three day tournaments right. before. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. But, but I mean, like you said earlier, at least over those three days, it gives the guy who gets on the pattern, who found something in pre-fishing a chance this, I mean, hell, I mean, like you said, a guy could just go out there and land on a school of fish and bash them and and win the dang thing. But if they would have went out for the second day like they're supposed to or you know, everything like that, those fish might have moved on and he might be back to a zero. And a guy that was sitting in like the top five, you know, he stuck with his pattern and he caught another 20, 30 pounds the next day and ends up winning the thing. And you kind of won the tournament. It's not like it's just going out there. Like I said, if it's a one-day tournament, sometimes you can just go out there and right throw it out there and you might win the dang thing. Right. And, and, and in no way, shape, or form do I want to take anything away from Danny Woodkey, who ended up winning the thing. Oh, right. Uh, I mean, he has He's from awesome Gillette, Wisconsin. Day. Right. I think he would have gone out there on day two and just extended his lead. I think pretty much from what his, I've read everywhere. Yeah. His second win on Green Bay, I believe. Right. Everybody who, who uh, um, you know, congratulated him and whatnot, I think they were 100% okay with him winning it. I mean, I think that it was, it was almost like it was expected. But what I've got a problem with is uh, – Say you're in contention for Angler of the Year. Right. Uh, it, it it isn't just about winning the tournament or not winning the tournament. There's other implications through all this whole process. Right. I mean, you're you're in contention for Angler of the Year. You know, I mean, you know, you're you're a Corey Sprangler, you're a John Hoyer, you know, who's every year, you know, in, in the hunt for Angler of the Year. And you find out that your tournament day is uh you know, you, you only got one day to do it. Well, you know, I mean, these guys obviously swing for the fences. They're used to winning tournaments. They win a lot of tournaments. They go out there and they try to catch big fish. So maybe there's a, a spot where, yeah, you know, there's an outside chance. Maybe I can catch, you know, a couple big fish. But I do know of a spot where I can at least go and catch a limit. 
well, then maybe you're just going to go and catch your limit. Right. You well, know, I mean, well, like and, I and save points, you know, finish somewhere in the middle of the pack and just, just move on to the next one. For those guys. But just you don't trying, know because you never, you right. know. Right. Those, those guys trying to finish in the money. I mean, yeah. yeah, everybody goes out there to win a tournament, but there can only be one person that wins right. the tournament. So you also have the mindset of, like you said, going out there for points, going out there to finish for like in a check so that, you know, you can pay your expenses for the time that you're out there and justify being out there. But this, like I said, it just kind of leaves you with that empty feeling and just that kind of that what ifs. And and I mean, obviously it was windy. Yeah, right, right. They didn't make that up. Right. They're not. I I applaud them for for, taking the safety. I mean, it's not easy being a tournament director and having to make that call. I mean, you get up there and it's just like, you know, but when people higher up from you are saying, you know, no uh, small craft advisory and stuff like that. I mean, you got to go with that and you got it. I mean, you got to follow 100% those. did the right thing right. there. Right. But it's just like what we're what we're trying to say is, is it's just too bad that they couldn't have had like okay, maybe then on Saturday it wasn't going to be that windy. It was going to be, you know, fishable. Right. And they could have had it, but yeah. It it just sucks. It it really does. I mean, just to see a two-day tournament turn into a one-day tournament, it's just yeah. Yeah, I, and and like we said, for Danny Woodkey of Gillette, Wisconsin, uh, hats off. You got a uh, you got a hundred thousand bucks, and uh, um, I I you know, like we said, I I feel like he's one hundred percent deserving. I feel like probably even after day two, he he would have still won. He would have just extended his lead. But how about the co angler side of that? Right. You know, I mean, you know, there, there's one thing with co angler. You know, one day you might get paired with the best guy and the next day you might get paired with the worst guy and you finish somewhere in the middle of the pack. Right. This day he, all you had to do was be with her. <laughs> and it it kind of, it probably was kind of nice for both of them. Like usually you don't see that where the, the co-angler was riding with the winner. It never, I bet right. you it's never happened. I mean, it, it's gotta be very, yeah, maybe, may, maybe on may, the last day yeah, it happened. Yeah, yeah. But like, to say you fish the whole tournament with the same person. Right, right. I mean, it, it, I mean, it, who'd, who'd you have day two? Well, actually, like, we didn't go out day two. So, I mean, yeah, hats off to all them. And yep. I, did just, you see it was a Parsons? Oh, it was? Yeah. Yeah. Probably related to I'd, Gary and Chase. Who knows? It's just in the DNA. Yeah, like, I mean, they just last name Parsons means you're going to catch walleyes. You want to know what it is? Spitting on their bait. <laughs> That's what it is. That's what they is. They got the DNA and they're spitting <laughs> on their bait and it's, just uh, guaranteed to make them hook. Have you ever tried that? Oh, have I ever <laughs> tried that? Are you kidding me? It's kind of like the spitball in baseball. Huh? My grandpa, my grandpa Lambert, that was his, you know, he always told us, well, you ain't catching nothing. Well, it's because you ain't been spitting on your bait. Well, so we started spitting on our bait. I mean, heck, then who knows? The, we, we were throwing bait in there that had half a snicker bar on it. There's a lot of cool old, like, tales like that that, that are you know some that are very true you know like they always say like when the lilacs start blooming that's when the crappies are right spawning i and saw that true. i saw that jason mitchell had that the other day and yeah my grandpa always has said that really i can always remember my grandpa saying that so well, i believe it then and we got lilac bushes in our backyard and by golly last couple weeks ago they started blooming and that's when we started hamming their copies so i, I tried off the dock that we had been catching a couple crappies on uh, over this weekend no crappies no good. Caught a couple bluegills, caught a couple yellow bass, uh, but no to the crappies. I no didn't even see any. Huh. But, they must have moved out now. Yep. They must have been up there, done their things, and are gone. I caught them all. You sorry. caught them all. Yep. Sorry to everybody no, else got, who's fishing the dock, but I caught them all. got a bunch all. of lip piercings out yep. there now. Yep, that's right. Matt, here's something else I want to talk to you about. Uh, 
hypocrites when it comes uh, to uh, fishing. Um, Hypocrite. Uh, yeah, hypocrites. I'm trying to think of the right way to come about this, but uh, um, you see a lot of people that I, well, I, I'll come right out and say it. I had a friend who put a put a post on Facebook the other day talking about uh, how he thinks that you need to take a test to get a fishing license. Hmm. Linked with an article talking about uh, uh, you know that you need to take a, a test to get your fishing license so that you properly know how to catch and release, you know, you properly know how to handle fish, properly know how to identify fish, you know, all, all sorts of stuff like that. You know, when, when you do catch a fish that, you know, you're, uh, you're using the right equipment that you can, you know, be as le- as little invasive as possible, get that fish back in there right away. You're not having that fish out for, you know, a minute and a half, uh, um, you know, taking pictures of it when you do catch that fish that, uh, you're not stressing it by fighting it longer than what it needs to be fought. You know, that you're, that you're getting it in unhooking this thing and getting it back in there. Well then along those lines, I, I saw a bunch of people writing underneath of it, talking about, uh, um, you know, that there's too much pressure nowadays, you know, that, uh, you know, the, the fish numbers are down because there's too much pressure, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. And my guess are is the people that are saying that are the ones that are posting pictures of them catching themselves catching fish online, and then in sense being mad because people are showing up to the spots that they're out that's, there promoting. That's just it. I mean, <laughs> you know, we're all on social media, we're all posting pictures, we're all on, you know, we're we're all involved, uh, you know, with with trying to introduce new people to the sport, you know, with you know, trying to educate people properly. And, you know, I mean, things like hooked on hard water, things like hooked on hard water, where we take 80, 60, you know, however many kids out there trying to teach them how to fish, and you know, hope that get, they yep, hope want that, to get involved with it. Yep. You know, I mean, I, I actually just talked with, uh, uh, one of the guys that works for pure fishing, uh, over this last weekend. And he was talking about how busy they have been. And, and I, God dang it. I, I even said to myself when he said the numbers, like, okay, Scott, remember that. But, I mean, he threw out a couple figures on how many new people have been recruited to fishing through COVID. You know, right. and, I yeah, mean, we it was, talked about that last year, about it, how many the license sales have gone yep, up and everything And, I mean, like we that. are talking about a big number. And, I mean, everybody, you know, everybody, oh, man, this is great. You know, great for the sport, great for, you know, bait shops, great for, great for the whole entire industry. And then you turn around and you have people saying, well, there's too much pressure. Too much pressure, you know, these, these people that are coming, they're not educated. Well, guess what? I mean, you can't have it both ways. Right. How do you want it? This is, this ain't Burger King. You can't have it your way. I mean, do we want more people? Like, that's kind of what you're talking about is being a hypocrite. Sometimes we, as fishermen, we talk out of both sides of our mouths. You talk about how great fishing is and how everybody should be doing it. But then when everybody starts doing it. We don't like it. Right. Exactly. Hey, we're, exactly. We're just like, wait, wait a minute here. You know, this is, this is my fishing spot. Yep. You know, there's somebody else fishing. I've fished I this spot for co- years. I used to come out here and no nobody one was, was ever here. here. And now, now every time I come, there's somebody else right. here and I can't catch no big fish no more. Right. And it's just like, and you know, I try to hide in my pictures on Facebook or on Instagram or on social media, like where I'm at and stuff like that. People figure it out. It's just. 
I don't know. It, it bothers me that people, they, we want to recruit all these people to be involved with fishing as long as they're not fishing in our spots. You know, you see it with, we've talked about this with the South Dakota thing, with everybody going out to the river early because, you know, the water, it's open water and people are want to get out in their boats and they go out there. Then everybody gets pissed off because all these out-of-staters are coming in here and everything like that. We see it in our local, our local river. All of a sudden, you know, people start catching fish and next thing you know, there's all kinds of people down there and, you know, you can't fish in the spots you want to fish. You get up, you know, people get upset about that over at different lakes it, it just it, it's like how do you how do you want it do you want nobody do you want to be the only one that's fishing right well and you know what when you're posting something saying that you know all these people that are coming this article was technically saying that maybe catch and release isn't as good as what we think it is because people that you know it, people are patting themselves on the back saying well i release all my fish and they're saying that, you know, some people, because they're not educated or they're overhandling these fish and or don't know how to properly handle them, you know, are releasing dead fish. And so, you know, it's, it's really no better. But you know what? Basically, all you're really saying is that the DNR isn't doing a good job. Right. Because the DNR is going out and they're they're doing, you know, surveys. You know, I mean, they're shocking, uh, shocking lakes and figuring out how many fish are in there, you know. I mean, regulations change when they figure out that, you know, golly, this, this lake isn't doing very good. Right. You know, yeah. maybe, maybe we got to, you know, I mean, we yeah. got to figure something else out here and, and whatever. I, I just, golly, it, it, well, it's it, just like, it pisses me off that everyone, it, everyone thinks, you know, wow, there's a problem. You know, there's a problem. There's a problem. The, I'm not the problem. No, God, no, I'm not the problem. You know what? If you feel that way, then quit fishing. Right. Quit fishing. If you truly feel that, that. You know, people that are, are catching fish, I, I don't care how good of a fish you are. Scott Mockentoon, who is a fisheries biologist that probably knows how to handle a fish better than anybody I know, guess what? He has killed a fish before while catching and releasing it. It just happened. Right. It, it happened. He let it go, thought it, thought, you know, but that hook hit hit a gill or, or you know, whatever. It happens. It happens. Am, am and I some, saying? And some, and some fish, you know, they, they'll fight for their... their you know, they'll fight until they kill themselves. And who's to say, like, how long a fish... Like, okay, I've been fishing this, fighting this fish for too long now. i got to cut the line. Well, I mean, what do these people want? I mean, like, proper pound... You're not using the proper equipment. Okay, like, so what? Now now I can't fish with... If I'm targeting, we'll say bass, I can't fish with anything lighter than four pounds. Is that, like, going to be a, a new regulation that they come right, in here? Right, right. And say, like, okay, if you've been fighting a fish longer than 15 seconds, you you can't you got to cut your line or yep. something if you're like. out I mean, if you're like, out pan fishing vertical jigging for for pan fish and you accidentally hook a fish that's bigger than two and a half pounds you must immediately cut your line right so you do not overstress that fish you know if i'm out there jigging for jigging for bluegills and i happen to hook into a northern unbeknownst to me i'm gonna fight it i'm gonna bring it in and i'm gonna let the thing go and i'm hoping that it swims away and and how many of us have ever done this? I mean, when you're you're out there catching fish, you're you're talking to the fish, saying, "Hey, just calm down. I just want to get you in and I'll let, let you, you go." go. <laughs> you're Quick trying to reason them. Yeah. You, you sound like somebody that, like a negotiator. You're out there, like, "Come on, just just don't jump. Just don't jump. Just you know." It just I don't like. Sometimes I think some of these articles that these people come up with. Sometimes I don't know if they're like maybe they're an animal rights activist that is trying to like disguise themselves and come in here and kind of like infiltrate 
and be like, you know, we're going to write this and be like, this is, you know, in all reality, you know, catch and release Do it in the name of conver- conservation. So then yeah. pretty, pretty soon some people are like, you know, hey, you know, that that is true. You know, a lot of these people don't know how to, you know what? There's going to be people that drop that, that catch that fish and it's going to flop around and it's going to fall on the ground. They're trying to try to get pictures with it and they're trying to get it back in the water as quick as they, sometimes, you know, in a perfect world, we are not in a perfect world. Right. I mean, those things do happen. Sometimes, you know, you bring a fish into the boat it flops around and falls on the bottom of the boat. You're trying to get it out there as fast as it can. Again, like I said, we don't speak the language of a fish, so we can't tell it to calm down and everything like that. There's a lot of variables in this that we are trying to do the right thing by releasing that fish. I mean, or fine, what do you want people to just catch, keep every fish that they catch then? Well, and that's that's just I it. Mean, you know, is that what you want? Is that what you want? Then you're mad because you're keeping over a 20-inch walleye. How dare you keep over a 20-inch walleye? Well, then pretty soon, you know, there's then there shouldn't be slot limits on these lakes because, you know, I got to let that fish go because it's in the slot. One, you know, one, one of the things that I think is the best thing about fishing is it doesn't matter if you're three years old, if you're 93 years old, if you're fat, if you're skinny, it doesn't matter or if you're ugly smart. in our case. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> your case, especially. <laughs> if, if, you know, if you're dumb or if you're, you know, a rocket scientist. You know, I'm just going to throw this out there. I think it's great because mentally disabled people can go out there and fish. Right. You know, I mean, let they can go out there and they can fish and they can have fun, whatever. Well, what if they can't pass that damn test? Exactly right. You can't. No way. Well, you know, okay. What about, what if you're the person that's saying that, you know, a test should be given and you can't pass the test? Now, all of a sudden, your tune changes a little bit. And say, no, because yeah, no. he's going to, he thinks that he's going to be involved in making the test and you know, I just, I don't know. I've, I've been out before. I don't, I, I, the tests are dumb. I've been out before one time when I was fishing with my son and, and a, a friend of ours and my son hooked a fish. He got it out of the water and he was trying his hardest to get that hook out and get it back down into the water. My son was 11 or 12 years old at the time. And he kind of got scolded for not getting that fish back down the hole fast enough. Really? That's, yeah, no. Well, newsflash, I mean, dude, you can kiss my ass, and if you talk to my kid like that again, I'll probably beat the shit out of you. Right. So and, don't do that. And just, you know, we're trying to teach these kids these things, and so they got to learn how to do that, too. The best way to teach is not by scolding somebody. Right. Yeah, I don't, that all that stuff is just, like I said, people, and then people will use the argument, well, we got to take a test to be able to hunt. Not no, even close. You You're taking a test to be able to shoot a exactly gun. how to hunt, handle a, a gun, how to proper, you know, properly do all that stuff. It's not to be able to identify what a buck is, what a doe is, what a rooster is, what a hen is. That's not why you're taking that test. I, so I mean, I'm a hunter safety instructor, right? Hunter safety instructor. It's all about safety I, stuff. I so. have never once. I I, I am. Uh, for the Iowa DNR, a hunter safety instructor, and guess what I've never done? Taught somebody how to identify a fish. Taught somebody how to field dress an animal. Right. Taught, I, I teach somebody how to properly cross a fence with a loaded gun. I teach somebody how to store a gun, how to properly hold a gun while walking in the field. Exactly. This is what, I, you know, that that is not even close to being the same. Right. So I, it just, and again, we don't, don't need to be taken. I mean, we're almost, sometimes it's almost like we're against each other with some of these we things. Are. Like we're we trying, are. if we're trying to promote 
all this stuff, then again, like you said, we've got to do it with education, educating these people. It doesn't. And when I say educating, that does not mean taking a test. Taking a test is not educating. That's just taking a test. I mean, it's no different than like in schools and stuff like that with standardized tests and all that. I'm not a fan of all that right. stuff. I mean, it's just you know, some people do well on them. Some people don't do well just because you can pass a test. Does, I mean, just because you go out there and, you know, take an ACT test and you happen to have a great day and you guess right on a lot of these things and they're like, holy buckets. That doesn't mean that you're ready to be a doctor. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's not like, okay, okay, you, wow, they scored, a, you know, a perfect on that. All right, let's go. Let's go yep. to the surgery room. You're yeah. gonna you want to you work on my heart a second, <laughs> right? But I mean, if you want to if you want to be about that and you want to practice what you preach and you really think that that uh, you know teaching people how to properly handle fish and everything, then start going around and pick a Saturday, pick a Saturday, start going around and putting up uh, flyers on billboards and say, hey, a free class, and I'll teach you. I'll teach whoever wants to show up how to properly handle fish. You know, how to properly get, you know, hooks out, whatever, you know, wet your hands before you grab fish. I get it. You know, how to properly identify fish, you know, then then do that. But, you know, like people talking, a lot of people, a lot of times people take a picture of the fish that they caught and they put it on Facebook. Hey, what kind of fish is that? And people will be like, well, if you don't know, then you shouldn't be out fishing. (laughs) Guess what? 99% of those people are, are unhooking that fish and letting it go you know what maybe they're not doing a good job unhooking that fish i'll I'll probably agree with that but they're letting that fish go and all they want to do is just really go back and tell their buddy tell their girlfriend tell their co-worker tomorrow i caught a walleye last night down at the river you know i mean me and me and my boy were at the lake like guys fish i mean anybody who has a fishing license we're all on the same team right let's let's quit working against each other and start working with each other right that's the same way with like that doesn't same if you're down there fishing somewhere and somebody keeps a fish that is obviously like smaller than what you are legally able to keep don't just go off on them just be like hey you know maybe go up to that person be like hey do you know that you know i don't want you to get in trouble right you know you're do you was that fish bigger than 12 inches I mean, if it's not, you got to throw it back. Yep, yep. That and they might and they might be like, "Oh crap!" You know, I guess I didn't realize that. I mean, and it is all of our responsibility to read the rule books and know the rules and regulations. But again, like you said, we're in this together. Maybe you can go up there and you can educate somebody, and they're like, "Oh crap!" Or maybe they have more than what they're legally able to catch. Maybe they have a bunch in there, and you know, for for this body of water, you can only have three of them. Right. And they have like five, and they're like, "Yes, I never really actually realized that." You know, and. So, I don't know. Right. You don't go up to the person and start yelling at them and being like, hey, that's too small because, hell, you don't know. This day and age, somebody might pull out a gun and be like, oh, really? Yeah, I ain't going to do that. Yeah, Oh, really? It's just like, okay, that, yep, you can keep it if you want. (laughs) Well, I'm not saying that you need to be a counselor. No. But but go up to somebody and, you know, who knows, you know, that that person might have been a person that's never fished in their whole entire life and... Just getting into the sport. Just getting into the sport you know, maybe they're going through some bad things right now in life. Right. And, you know, they've, they decided, you know what, picking up fishing, you know what, I'll go right out here. My, my neighbor up the way, Pete, he went out fishing with me and Jeremy Kay and Ramrod and whatnot last weekend. Pete's, you know, I don't know how old Pete is, 45, 50 years old, 45, maybe whatever. He's got a 16 year old son that said, Hey dad, you know, let's start doing some fishing. Well, what's Pete going to do? Nope. You know what? 
we can't do any fishing until I go and take a test, <laughs> take a class. You too. I'm going to spend the next four nights doing nothing but studying. You know, I'm going to figure out what all the proper gear. No, y- you know, you you go and you 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 go downtown. You buy a freaking cheap fishing pole. You buy some sinkers. You buy some hooks, and you go out there and you give it hell. And that's some of the best times. Right. And then pretty soon you start researching stuff online. And next thing you know, you think people get a little jealous sometimes. Like when they introduce somebody into fishing that has never done it. Then all of a sudden that person picks it up really fast and becomes better at it than what they are. And they've been doing it for their whole life. The student surpasses the teacher. I, I, a lot of that happens a oh, lot of for times. Sure. And then for all of a sudden sure. pretty soon that person's just like, you know, screw that guy. Yeah, <laughs> it's what? just like, because all of a sudden somebody realizes like how much fun it is and how enjoyable it is. Then all of a sudden they just totally immerse themselves in it, and pretty soon they become pretty darn good at it in a fast amount of time because they're a fast learner. Yep, yep. No, I just like you know. I guess it all just boils down that we're all on the same team. Right. Quit, quit being derelicts and <laughs> introduce more people. Introduce more people. And don't be mad when introduce they, more people. And don't be mad when they start doing it more. Right. Right. Well, yeah. Don't don't be mad. D- at the end of the day, don't sit here and, and talk about how you we if need you to introduce more people if you don't and then like turn people, around and get pissed off right. because somebody's at your lake that if you, you don't haven't like, seen anybody at before. If you don't like people fishing or don't want them fishing at that spot, then don't bring them to that spot to introduce them to it because that's the spot that they're going to know and want to come For back sure. to do it. For sure. So, yep. you know, bring them elsewhere. Yep. But don't be mad if they figure it out. They start looking around and be like, oh, okay. They go to the bait shop and bait shop's like, oh, we've been heard, heard that they've been catching them up here. Okay, they show up. Don't right. get mad. Well, and you know what? If if you bring a friend to your fishing hole, guess what? He's going to come back. You know, if, if right. you need to, have a stern talk with him that, hey, you know, I get it. You're going to come back, but don't bring your friend. But otherwise, if you bring a friend, pretty soon he brings a friend, and pretty soon he brings a friend, pretty soon you got lots of friends. But, you know, this this is no different than the public hunting areas that me and you hunt. Right. One year, you know, I mean, we've got like five or six public hunting areas in our county that, that me and Matt and, you know, my brother and whatever, who we all, we all go over there. And one year it seems like this property, oh man, you know, yep. just packed. Every single parking lot's packed. What the hell? And you go to the other one and you don't even see a pickup there for freaking the whole entire season. The next year it's opposite. Yep. You know what I mean? So Make yourself get better and start going to some different lakes. And, yeah. you know, I mean, it's one thing if people are leaving trash and over-harvesting, whatever. Then call the DNR and, and do something about it. But otherwise, I mean, if they're just out there fishing and ain't doing nothing wrong, then... Then so be it. Yep, so be it. So be it. All right. Here's one for you, Matt. Shore fishing. You uh, you brought this up. Uh, this was a topic that you kind of wanted to talk about. And uh, uh, apparently you had a... Uh, a little situation. I'm not saying that it was a bad situation, but you right. had a little bit of a situation. It just got me thinking. Yep. So uh, why don't you set the stage for this situation? So I was down here at our local river fishing, and it's not a big river. and It's it's bigger than most, but it's not like overly large. You can throw a baseball across it. You can cast your line across it. So it got me thinking. I was fishing on one side of the river, and these people were fishing on the other side of the river. And... Pretty soon, I had caught a couple fish over on my side, and they had been out in the middle. They were kind of bottom fishing for carp, catfish, whatever was going to bite. And I was catching some bass along the shore. Well, the next thing I know, 
I hear something hitting the water by me and I was kind of like, well, what the heck was that? You know? And then pretty soon I figured it out pretty fast what it was. I mean, they started casting pretty much across the river and right out in front of me. Now, like I said, it's not that, not that big of a river. So it's like, whatever. But it got, like I said, it got me thinking like, you know, like, is it proper etiquette to cast across the river to the other side where somebody else is fishing? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That 100% like not even, it ain't even a 99% not. It's a 100% not. It's, it's, I guess it's no different than, you know, you're out in a boat and somebody comes up and anchors right next to you. It's kind of like, whoa, wait a minute here now, unless you've talked to the person and they're cool with it. But, you know, like I said, I was just like, whatever. But I thought to myself, you guys had been fishing out in the middle and casting downstream. Now all of a sudden you're casting across over here. But yeah, I was just like, what? I just had to laugh. And they were just being idiots. Just keep, that's that's what they're being. right, and just keep catching fish in front of them. So. so think about this: if me and you were on a dock, twenty yards in between us, you're on your dock, I'm on my dock, and I see you catching fish, I rig up with a bobber and I cast over, Where was it over right there? next to you, <laughs> right underneath your dock. Yeah, is it legal? Yes. Yes. Are you being an idiot? Also, right. yes. Yeah, it just comes down to that communication. Right? So, you know, you you used the word right there, communication. How easy would it have been, A, if those people across the way come over and say, hey, we've been down here fishing for freaking three hours and we haven't been catching anything. We see you just freaking come walking down here, catch three, you know, in, in a matter of 10 minutes. What are you doing? You know, and, and then you would probably, you know, you would say, hey, this is the bait I'm using. This is what I'm doing. I'm looking for, you know, the current, you know, casting into these seams, you know, whatever. You know, if you go up there, you know, right up the way, there, there's another, you know, chunk of current right there. I, I would I would try up there, whatever. You would have probably helped him out. You know, usually I would, but you know what? You know, I was thinking about that too when I was fishing because they were the catch and keep people. That oh, yeah. were down there. They were catching and keeping anything that they caught. So there was actually a piece of me that was just like, you know what? Maybe I should just stop fishing and go walk away because I don't want to see people see me doing this and catching them. And then pretty soon they're just like, well, okay, now this is where they're at. And they start doing the same thing and all those fish start going into their buckets. Right. Because it's kind of, it's one of those things that it was kind of a moral dilemma for me as I sat there. And it happened again last night when I was down at the river. I'm having some success in some people that are well-known like shore fishermen who are down in the river a lot. You know, they come up there and they're going to go to the same spot that they're always in. And I'm just kind of like, well, maybe I should just stop instead of catching fish right by them so that they don't start doing the same thing I'm doing and ultimately just start throwing them in the bucket. Right. Which they're, I mean, again, like you said, it's their right to do it. I mean, as long as they're doing it by legal means. But, but it's, it's just, your right not to show them how to do it. Right. Too. It's, it's kind of like one of those moral things that, like, kind of like inner moral things that I'm like, God, do I really want st- to still keep doing this so that they can see what I'm doing? And then the next time they come down, they start doing the same thing. Right. You're not telling them that they can't fish. Right. You're just not going to personally show them how to do it. Right. You know, how, how to have success in this spot right here. Right. So you know, it was just kind of like, oh, dang it. This is kind of one of those deals where I'm just like, mm, maybe I 
Maybe it's time just to pack up and leave. Yep. So say say somebody who's who's just down there catching and releasing, you've got no issue with them, whatever. How close is too close if they're sitting on the same side of the, the river as you? Um, you know, I mean, we right, you no, get yeah. a lot of places like, you know, say down at Lake McConaughey, everyone's, you know, sitting on the dam, you know, and, and a lot of places like that, the grades, the dams, you know, early in the spring uh, as, as walleyes and other fish are coming up to spawn, you know, I mean, there's there's grades and, you know, roadbeds or whatever that, uh, I mean, people are literally every, you yeah, know, ten, five, yeah, five it, yards, you right. know, 10 feet, you know, whatever. And, and everyone's got their, their bait out there. How close is too close then? I guess as long as if you're casting straight out and everybody's like working together, you know, you're again, communicating to each other. Like if somebody gets a fish on and it starts to kind of fight a little bit, if you're good about reeling in your line, so that you don't have a big tangled mess. I I don't have a problem with p- people fishing real close to me as long as as long as they're good about it. Right. And and you know what else matters? How many other people are there? Right. You know, I mean, if you show if up I'm, if I'm by myself and I'm sitting in a spot and I'm catching fish and all of a sudden there's nobody else around and here somebody comes up there and they just come up and plop right next to you and start fishing. It's kind of like, "Well, come on now. There's like all this shoreline that you can go fish." Right. You know, if they come up and be like, hey, you mind if I sit by, if I come up here? I was like, well, you know, I don't care. Just as long as you're like, I'm kind of casting the shorelines here. This is what I'm doing. As long as you're giving me room to do that, I'm cool with it. But don't just come up and sit right next to me and throw out and be like, all right. Sometimes people overrun your spots like that. Right. Well, and it matters, too, if there's a reason why, you know, I mean, if you're on a 100-yard stretch where everything is the same and and somebody comes and sits right next to you it's like hey what the right. you know what the frick are you doing you know if there's a reason why they're there because there's an inlet stream you know and and you know all the fish are going to be there where you know the water dumps in well then i get it too you know go on the other side of the stream or or whatever you know if and but the biggest thing like we're talking is communication if, if I've got a person that comes up to me and says, hey, you know, I was here last night, you know, doing real good, you know, right in this area, you care if, you know, I kind of, you know, cast around, you know, I, you know, I'll try to stay out of your way, you know, whatever. Chances are, I'm probably going to reel in and I'm just going to start chatting this dude up. Right, right. Because that's what I do. Chances are, I'm probably not even going to do much fishing anymore. I mean, I probably still will do some, but you know, it, say I'm out on a dock, say I'm out on a dock, a public dock. And there's no, you know, L's or T's to this dock. It's just me out at the end. And some guy comes up and and says, you know, God dang it. You know, I was really hoping no one would be here. You know, do you care if I, you know, take one side of the dock and you take the other side of the dock? Have at it, man. You know, like what's going on? Where are you from? You know, you fish out here often, you know, what are you using? What happens if, what happens if you, you know, you say, yeah, go ahead. And all of a sudden you're pissed off because he's out there and he's got minnows and you got leeches. And he starts freaking cracking them on them right. minnows, and you got leeches. Yeah. And it's like, oh dang it! I see he's got a whole bunch of them. Yeah. Maybe he'd borrow me one. <laughs> Maybe he'd borrow me a dozen. And next thing you know, you got yourself a freaking friend, right. and he taught you how to catch him. Right. You know, don't be an idiot sometimes. You know, and and you know, let things play out. I mean, I don't know. We're I, all it, in this together. It had, it, like I said last week when we were up fishing, or when we got on that good crappie bite. 
some friends that we knew. Hey, they asked, you know, you guys mind if tell us like what we how you guys were doing it and stuff like that. And you know what? They've helped us out in the past. So it's just like, you know what? We're going to help you guys out. Tell them how we're doing it and stuff like that. But that doesn't mean they came up there and they weren't having the success that we were having. And finally, my dad was like, hey, just come in here with your boat, anchor up right here and start fishing. It's just like, sometimes it's like, you got to help each other out. I mean, I had, I had a guy I haven't talked to in a long time. All of a sudden my phone rang. I didn't recognize the number and it went to voicemail and the voicemail, it was like, Hey, you know, this so-and-so giving you a call, you know, and first he was trying to sell me on an extended car warranty. Did you get it? <laughs> and I told him, all right. I, I said, this is the third one Did I've you, gotten. You've gotten week. three of them. Yeah. I was like, I guess I can always use a fourth extended car warranty on my vehicle. So I'm just letting you know. <laughs> If you ever blow a tire or a wheel bearing or anything and you're parked on the side of the road, don't call me. <laughs> you had your opportunity. That's right. You had your opportunity and you've been turning them down. <laughs> but so he called me up and left me a voicemail. So I called him right back and I was just like, oh, okay. It's like, he's bringing his granddaughter up there fishing. It's like, heck yeah, man, I'll help you out. Uh, yep. Hopefully you guys can get on some. I mean, they're only going to be there for a short time because they had to be back to town and I don't know. It, it is that it's, you know, I never, I don't fish that lake that very often. So if I get on a hot bite and I have some friends that are going up there, I mean, we had a, we had a guy that we know stop and talk and he lets us hunt his land for geese sometimes. And yep. it's just like, he's like, Hey, how's the, you know, where's the fishing? And they were heading up there. It's like, well, this is exactly where they were and what we were doing. <laughs> so it's like, you got to keep people happy. Right. And you want to know what some of the best uh, fishermen are? Networkers. Right. You got to have networkers. Gotta... Like, I got a guy, I found a travel cover one time on the side of the road. Got that travel cover, put on Facebook that, hey, I found a travel cover. Ended up getting it back with the owner. Every time I'm up in northeast South Dakota, I shoot him a text and he says, hey, this is where they're biting right now. Right. Works out. It does. It's karma. You know, it, it all comes back. Yep. And guess what? At some point in time, you're going to be sitting on the shore or you're going to be sitting on a public dock or whatever try to communicate with these guys and at some point in time you're going to find out that this dude's like hey i got 80 acres of uh, crp yeah. back over here you know no one pheasant hunts it boom all of a sudden you know from sitting on a dock with an old boy you you know you gain permission to pheasant hunter you know just just something i mean he tells you a good pickling recipe i don't know i mean right you just hear a cool story Sometimes dude's that's... got a freaking 24 pack of beer in his truck <laughs> and he's like god dang it i can't drink all these i'm gonna need some help who you know, knows exactly who right. knows maybe he's got some funyuns i mean you want to know what i'd do for a whole mess of funyuns nobody wants to know that no you don't want to know you don't want to know I'd freaking bury you for a half bag, half oh, bag of three week of old party. One of them party size ones. Yeah. Some little bags, yep. singles. Yep. But yeah, it's all hey, about. Speaking I mean, of singles, singles. So my mom, no, the, wait, like no, 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 uh, she's, my mom's always got the candy dishes out. Oh yeah. Always got these dishes, you know, M&Ms, Rolos, whatever. So, uh, she's got M&Ms in the little fun size, uh, bags, caramel M&Ms, which are amazing. All right. I don't know if you've had them yet or not, but I've had them. So 
you know when you get those little fun size M&Ms, you know, the, you know, three inches by yep. three and a half inches or whatever? How many M&Ms you figure should be in there? I'm going to say there's probably about like a dozen. That's why, you know, I mean, you know, like a dozen and, and the caramel ones something. are bigger than the right. normal M&Ms. So, you know, we'll, we'll scale that back a little bit. I did have a couple regular M&Ms also. Uh, I'd say, like you said, there's probably 12 in there. I'm thinking, you know, there should be, well, I actually looked. There's there's about eight to nine in, in the other ones. I got one with two. <laughs> two! You what the? You couldn't feel that before you opened it or what? I did. Oh. I did. I picked it up and I started walking with it and I'm like, holy smokes, like this freaking pandemic has hit you, everybody. You know what that's like? That's like going out and fishing a two-day tournament. Fishing the first day and then finding out the next day is canceled when you get in. That's exactly what it is right there. <laughs> Getting only two M&Ms. That's, you're running out of freaking gas on the way back on day one. You don't even get a chance to go out on day two. And all you get is two M&Ms. Oh, my gosh. There's nothing fun about a fun size oh, bag of M&Ms that only two of oh, them in there. Oh, I was going to say, there is a lot of fun about fun size M&Ms. Oh, yeah. I mean... Let's be honest. Uh, I, I'm not the type of dude that's just going up and grabbing one fun size. No, like, right, exactly, right. And you don't feel guilty about it. It's just like, man, yeah, you know, that was. There's only, I mean, by the time you're done, you could have just bought a whole big one of those big party bags right. of it. But hey, right. it makes you feel like you're a little bit more like health conscious. It like you does. know, no, no, I don't do a big bag. Like, it's kind of like the hundred calorie pack. Not. It's like, oh, there's only a hundred calories in this pack. Yeah. I can have three or four of them. I've got seven packs. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of like when your wife says that you can only have two beers and you make them 40s. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yep. You didn't say which size beers yep. we were having. Yep. So, But no, yeah. Be good to each other and it all comes full circle. That's right. Uh, Matt, I've been doing a little Boundary Waters trip prep uh, next week. Um, I think, I don't know, what is it, like the 7th or something? I don't know. It's Give or take something around you. the 7th. Uh, me and Scott Mockentoon, the tall man from Minneapolis. Uh, Zach Cox, Ramrod. Oh, the Ramrod's going. Ramrod's guys, going. Huh? Two guys from Wisconsin and then two other guys from Minnesota, I believe. Uh, yeah, that's it's a group of eight. Group of eight. All, uh, I don't know, I think we're going to Grand Marais. Oh, yeah, Grand Marais, yep. Grand Marais. Yep. And then we're that's going cool down area. the Gunflint Trail. Yep, the old Gunflint. So I actually thought the Gunflint Trail was a trail. Oh, it's a road. road. Yeah. It's a road. So I, I looked up the Gunflint Trail. Like, right. I, you know, Scott Mockatoon keeps talking about, you know, yeah, we'll go to the end of the Gunflint Trail, and then we're going to, you know, start canoeing from there. All right, fair enough. Like, I thought that this was like a one-mile trail that we had to walk down with our canoes and, you know, everything, and then we'd get right. into the water. No. No, the Gunflint Trail is like. It's, yeah, it's a road. Yeah. So, and then you get to the parking lot, you park there, and then you portage in, too. Yeah, where right. you're going to go. But I do like the fact that the big trail that he keeps talking about, that we get to take cars down that trail <laughs> and it ain't a walk. It's not like the old Oregon Trail. You guys aren't going to Right, have. right. Zach's got to bring some Dip horses theory. up from Nebraska <laughs> yeah. and pack it in. And yep. <laughs> nope, so that, uh, nope, that'll be that'll be interesting. So, so you got to share a tent with Ramrod? I think so. Sleep on your back. Yeah. <laughs> Hold a hole or pull the pole, not pull the hole. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go all the way up against one of the walls. So I'm actually gonna, uh, I'm more worried about ramrod than I am or bears or wolves on the outside. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. right. 
<laughs> you got ramrod spray along instead of bear spray. Yeah. So I text I text Scott and I said, okay, one to ten, what's the probability of a wolf sighting, a bear sighting, or a moose sighting? Moose has got to be the highest. Five. He said five. He said about every other year they see a moose. Yeah. Bears he said if you're quiet, like... you probably will. You probably could see a moose. Well, I got freaking chatterbox ramrod in mine. <laughs> you, you ain't know. seeing no moose. Nope. Yep. So I, be I've given Canada up on that. By the time yep. you're done. I've given up on that. Uh, he said bear and wolf both won. Right. But you got ramrod along and you got that greasy, greasy smell. Greasy smell. That'll get the bears in. <laughs> I mean, it's like baiting for bears. <laughs> The uh he he saw three wolves last year. That's crazy. Chasing a moose out into the water. Well, there you go. That's nuts. That'd be awesome to see. It's awesome to see if you're on your way out. Right. <laughs> Not if I still got to sleep in the freaking dark there. The first the first day you step onto that portage to walk down and there's a moose or a wolf standing on the portage trail. No, I'm out. <laughs> you've been you've you've gone to Boundary Waters yes. before, right? Yep. Two times, once, once. Yep, and it was a trip from hell. So okay, so Euler says he'll never go back. He went up there for like I'm, five days, and right. it did nothing but rain. We had you nothing went up but there. heat. Yeah, we had like it was like the hottest it's ever been up there. And this was when I was eighth grader going into my freshman year, and my dad decided that we were gonna go in on this long trip that him and all his buddies used to do. And we portaged way the hell in there. I mean, it was a long ways of walking and stuff. And I almost, to tell you the truth, I almost went down the wrong trail when we first got, when we first started out. We took, he told that story at, right. With Grandpa Deitch right. and, and you on that they episode. Strapped, they strapped all the meat to my back and said, go down the trail. You know, they figured that I was a sacrifice. If there's going to be any bears or wolves and they're going to get me. Well, that's why we're bringing Ramrod along. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's why we're bringing Ramrod along. I'm actually but gonna, I'm was, actually going to bring a gun, and uh, if we see a wolf or see a bear, I'm going to shoot Ramrod in the kneecap, and yeah. we're all going to take off. And you're all going to survive. Yep. He, I mean, he he's trained for that. He, he yeah. Can, he, I mean, he can patch himself up and save himself. So yeah. Prove prove to us that the training is legit. <laughs> but no, it was. I mean, we did see a lot of moose when we were up did there. You really? It was, it was really okay. cool. Okay. Uh, we would have to get up like re- we got up real early in the mornings yep. to go out and fish before it got too hot out there for us. And, uh, yeah, we saw, we had a cow swim across the really? bay in front of us. That was pretty cool. I mean, to see this animal start coming out of the water and just keep coming out of the water and keep Did coming out. Did you think it was Loch Ness? It was just like, holy buckets. And yep. then, uh, one of the last nights up there, we were out fishing in the same bay and then a moose and three calves actually came out. Really? And then when we were paddling out up on this big rock cliff, there was like, a couple bears running across there that really? we saw. Oof, you saw a lot of stuff. Right, and then when we were driving back home, we were driving down the road, and I was the only one awake, and my uncle was driving, so he was obviously awake. But we were sitting there driving, and all of a sudden a bear ran across the road in front of us. And I mean, really? you sit there and you freeze for a second because you don't know. You're so used to yelling yeah. deer, deer. You're just like, holy. And you're just like, whoa. And everybody's like, what? It's like a huge bear just ran across the road in front of us. So, yep. yeah, it was, I mean, so we did see a lot of wildlife when we were up nice. there. And it is, I mean, you'll you'll enjoy that aspect of it. And I don't know. I would like to go do it again just to kind of conquer right. like, what we went. I mean. We were out there, dad and my uncle went out fishing the one day, so the rest of us were left at the camp, and we wanted to make ourselves some breakfast, but they had already taken, like, the matches and everything like that to start a fire, so we ended up having cold oatmeal that morning. And really? 
it was just uh, there's just a lot of little things that I mean it'd be fun to go up there and do it again and maybe not port a gin as far as what we did that first trip. Leave Joe home. I think now Joe has calmed down a little bit. Mm-hmm. That I think that it would be better. I mean, you're going to have awesome fishing. You're just, yep. you know, I mean, you were up in Canada right, a couple right. years ago with that flying, and you know what it's like when. Yep. I mean, you're out there, nobody else is around. Pristine There's wilderness. Just, it's just yep. something yep. that's pretty cool about it. And then like using canoes like that to right. get back up in there. So, so we're uh, we're going, I believe, to entry number fifty-five, uh, which is like Saginaw, Saginaw. Saginaw Lake or I don't know something like that it's like S-A-G-A-N-A-G-A Saginaw something like that that's where we're going uh entry number 55 just in case anyone's wondering or uh has any intel there shoot me a message but uh whatever whatever I guess my my craziest thing you know for me is uh there's not a Walmart up there right you know I mean (laughs) you know once you're in there you're in there and so you know a part of me, I've always kind of been one of them, you know, that packs on the last day and it's like, well, hell, if I get up there and I forget something, you know, right. you know, if I get out to the right. Black Hills and, you know, I forget something, well, I'll just, you know, either A, I can quick run to a grocery store, I can run back into Rapid to a Walmart, I can run to the Rooster, I can run right. to a Cabela's, I can run to a Shields, you know, if I'm up in Northeast South Dakota, there's bait shops around, there's restaurants right. around, there's gas stations around. Not there, at this one. There. Not you're at this there one. Purifying your own water and yep, yep. And so that's that's really the part. You know, uh, I don't know. This is one of those where if you're underprepared, you know. Granted, I'm going with Scott Mockentoon, who I believe this is like his 14th year of doing this exact same trip at the exact same time of year, exact same right. spot. He's got a lot of experience. You know, we're gonna do you know a check deal uh, when we all get up there. You know, he's gonna look over everything. You know, okay, yep. You know, you've got the right gear. Yep. You know, this will be good. Oh, you better get some of that. You know, whatever. So I, I feel comfortable that way. But you know, I'm. I mean, let's be honest here, guys. Like I'm the kind of type of guy that uh, I eat a little bit more than the average <laughs> guy does at the meal. So. If I sit down and they're like, you know, okay, one 14-inch walleye for Scott, and here is uh, half of a baked potato, I'm going to say, okay, so <laughs> you want me to punch Ramrod and steal his, or like, what? what's going on here? So, but but he, Scott Mockentune assures me, you know, oh, no, no one leaves hungry. Okay, well, we'll, we'll see about that. And I don't know, you know, like, I, I don't have any health issues, you know to speak of but like i mean i don't know you you slip and fall out there you know or, or right. anything it's, i mean you, you got to be know. well there's prepared. always that part there's like you said something like this a trip like that is something that you have to prepare for and you have to have your things organized and right. ready to go and you know it's not just one of those deals of just uh yeah, like you said, you it's don't not, just you're win just, that trip. You're not just going out there to camp overnight. It's not like a camping, like a camping deal like that. It's you know, what are you guys out there for? What did you say, five days? Yep, I believe. So, I mean, you got to be well prepared, and it is, and and you got to prepare for. It's not like it's like, oh, it's going to be nice the whole time, so we can just do it. we just prepare for that. I mean, you got to have some clothes along in case it gets nice and cold, because as we saw this last weekend, it was chilly. Right. And, right. You know. So, I mean. You got to prepare for different weather situations, but all while packing light, trying to stay packing yeah. light. It's just like, that's so, always the hardest part. So I actually went on Amazon and I got me, Ramrod, and Zach all uh, um, 
a lightweight uh, sleeping pad that like rolls up and I mean it actually pumps up uh, it, it gets to like two and a half inches thick you know it, it's a good size deal like big enough to go you know about the size of an average sleeping bag right. whatever but it, it folds down and gets into a thing that's about the size of a beer can yeah you know something like that we've got a pillow that I mean goes down to you know I don't know, two inches by three and a half inches. I mean, just a little tiny, you know, blow up pillow, uh, a little chair, you know, that, that folds down to something about the size of a, uh, you know, a one liter bottle of pop. And, yeah. you know, I mean, all this stuff that, you know, a, I didn't have because I mean, if I'm going to watch one of Grady's baseball games, like I've got a bag chair, yep. you know, I mean, average size right. bag chair. Well, you don't get to bring that stuff. I didn't have a backpack that could really house everything so i went on cabela's and i got a uh uh a boundary waters like roll up waterproof bag yeah you know i've got a sleeping bag i've got you know a lot of that type of stuff but you know you like you said it, it could be 85 degrees during the day and it might get down to 40 degrees overnight exactly and you know so i mean you gotta you got to bring sweatshirts and, you know, Scott was talking about bring like convertible pants that, you yeah. know, zip off, off. and, yeah. you know, all that type of stuff. So I don't know. It, it'll be interesting. At the end of the day, I believe I should survive. It's an adventure is what it is. Yep. I, I can guarantee you this, that that first root beer you have after after oh, that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was like when we when we got out at the time we went out there, <laughs> when we got out, like the people at Hardy, the Hardy's that we stopped at couldn't get us our glasses fast enough. And we were over there filling it up with like root beer and pop and just j chugging it. Because it was just cold like, drinks again. Yeah, huh? It was just like, oh my gosh, it wasn't just the purified water with the Kool-Aid packet mixed in there without sugar or anything like that. So it was just kind of like, nah. A shower should be nice also. Oh, yes. You'll, you'll, you'll enjoy that when you're done. And, yep. But it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be an awesome time. Right. And right. It, I mean, it is just cool being up there in that pristine wilderness and yep. just something a lot of people can have never done and probably yep. should do at least once in their life well you know i i just keep uh i i i don't know the black hills special to me you know a really really special part of the the world uh one of my favorite places in the whole entire world i went down to the sand hills to the cox ranch the sand hills are now a very special place to me you know like one of the most special places in the world probably number two and I just got this feeling that after I go up here to the Boundary Waters, that's going right. to be up in the top three now, you know. So, I don't know. It's it's a place that I've never been. I've talked about that a lot on this podcast, that I've never been up into northern Minnesota. And uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited. Like I'm You're excited gonna, to go up there and experience it. Yep. Just as long as, like I said, just you got Ramsey along, so... Uh, like I said, I'll shoot him in the knee. And <laughs> <laughs> so does Mockentoon get his own canoe? Can anybody else, like somebody going to have to sit on his legs in the canoe? Or he actually custom made a 27-footer. Uh, <laughs> so, and, and, and it's it's a one-man. It's a one-man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. His, and his paddle, I, it's got to be about about taller than you are. So Yeah, he's kind of like Buddy the Elf on Elf. Yeah. Nope, it should be good. So uh, you guys will have a blast. You bet, Matt. You got a good news story? Uh, my good news story is that. Oh, let's see here. Let me think here. I don't know that I've got one. I'm trying to think. I thought I had one. Let's think about one. I know my brother, and my niece and nephew, and my dad. I believe went out fishing again and got after the crappies. So that was pretty cool to see. Um, I don't know. 
um, Brad Baker sent us that thing the other day, or posted that thing about that kid catching that largemouth bass, and he was. Oh my God! Wasn't that awesome? That was awesome. I oh mean, that video God. the kid catches his first largemouth ever, and he's just crying happy tears because it's his first largemouth he's ever caught. So. Yep, that was that one back fired on Brad. He thought he could get a razz out of us, but. And then I I said something like, "Well, you don't ever see a guy like that, uh, or you don't ever see somebody." Uh, smiling and laughing like that after you catch a walleye, do That's you? That's right. <laughs> yep, shots fired. That's good. No, I guess I don't really, I don't know. I guess, uh, you know what? My good news story is, is going to be the fact that uh, that Jason Mitchell episode is freaking like our biggest episode ever. Mm-hmm. So I got to hats off to, yeah, hats off cool. to everybody and, uh, um, you know, Appreciate that you guys are all still following along. The Caleb Koopfall episode's freaking huge, too. So uh, that's awesome, you know, knocking it out of the park with two in a row, you know, having having Jason Mitchell, uh, one of the biggest dudes in uh, Midwest fishing, and then backing it up with a Bassmaster champion. That That's pretty badass. That is. So, yeah, I guess uh, with that being said, uh, hit the subscribe button if you haven't. Uh, Tell your friends about us. Yep. We appreciate that, and uh, yeah, I guess there's nothing uh, left besides uh, see you next week. Later. <laughs>